I'll share a couple of scriptures with you really quick. This is, a, this is the perennial New Year scripture. Uh, they may have even read it last week. I wasn't here, so I'm not sure. But it says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. I feel like God is saying to you this morning, those things that have held you back, those things that have kept you from God's best, that you're not going to take those into this new year. That God is setting you free. That God is saying it's a clean slate. It's a brand new year. It's a time to move into what God has for you. Some of you have had some things that you've been struggling with. God is saying we're going to break those things in this coming year. Some of you have been dealing with some habits, some hurts, some painful things. God is saying we're going to put those things in the past and we're going to move on. Some of you, there's been some, some, maybe even some sin issues that you've been struggling with. Listen to what it says just a little bit farther in the same chapter It says, I, this is God speaking, even I am the one who blots out your transgressions or your sins for my own sake, and I remember your sins no more. What a great promise. And then in Isaiah 44, the very next chapter, he says, for I will pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. Listen to this. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessings on your descendants. And as we move into a new year, God is saying the past is behind us. We're moving into the best of what God has for us. And I want you to understand that as we move into this, it's our attitude. It's what we're aiming towards. We're aiming towards God's best. We're letting go of the worst of the things and the circumstances and all of those other things. And we've got our eyes focused on Him. And I want to encourage you this year that we're moving into God's best for us. Amen? Amen. Raise your hands. Let's just pray. Father, we just thank you again for this morning. Pray, Father, that you would bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, one more time, good morning. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. Hey, take a moment. Say hello to some of the people you've just been worshiping with. Now, Mr. Pitts. It's a rather unfortunate name. Mr. Pitts. Where are you? Will you open your hymnal to page 542? Read the first stanza of the poem you find there. To the virgins to make much of time? Yes, that's the one. Somewhat appropriate, isn't it? <laughs> Gather ye rosebuds while ye may, old time is still a flying. And this same flower that smiles today, tomorrow will be dying. Thank you, Mr. Pitts. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. Latin term for that sentiment is carpe diem. Now, who knows what that means? Carpe diem. That sees the day. Very good, Mr. Meeks. Meeks. Another unusual name. Seize the day. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. Why does the writer use these lines? Because he's in a hurry. No. Ding! Thank you for playing anyway. Because we are food for worms, lads. Because believe it or not, each and every one of us in this room is one day going to stop breathing, turn cold, and die. I'd like you to step forward over here and peruse some of the faces from the past. You've walked past them many times. I don't think you've really looked at them. They're not that different from you, are they? 
same haircuts, full of hormones, just like you. Invincible, just like you feel. The world is their oyster. They believe they're destined for great things, just like many of you. Their eyes are full of hope, just like you. Did they wait until it was too late to make from their lives even one iota of what they were capable? Because you see, gentlemen, these boys are now fertilizing daffodils. But if you listen real close, you can hear them whisper their legacy to you. Go on, lean in. Listen. You hear it? That's a, that's a movie clip that I try to look at almost every year as we begin a brand new year. I think it's so appropriate. Carpe diem, seize the day, make your life extraordinary. Can I get these lights up just a little bit? There we go. Thank you so much. Well, I hope everybody had a great Christmas. Did you? Yeah. I, I know we did. We had a great time. Our Christmas present to each other was we slipped away, and so we weren't here last week, and we slipped down, and we went and saw our little grandson and uh, had some grandson love. That was the best thing in the world. We had a great time with him. He is six years old, six and a half, if you hear him tell it, and, uh, and he was an absolute blast, so much fun. It was a great time of refreshing for us, and so now we're back, and it is 2019. Can you believe it? 2019. That's still hard for me to kind of wrap my brain around. How many of you accomplished all of your goals for 2018? Can I see your hands? Look around. One person. (laughs) One person. You know, the top reason that most people have for not accomplishing their goals, I'll give you the top two reasons. The first one is you didn't set any, (laughs) right? You hit absolutely none of the goals that you don't set, right? It just doesn't happen. And so a lot of people don't do that. Can I just tell you, goals are so important. And, and I, let me say something. I, I say this every year at the beginning of the year. I'm not talking about resolutions. I'm not a big fan of resolutions, right? You know why? Because today is January 6th. Some of you set resolutions, and you've already broken them, right? So I don't think resolutions are what we're looking for. I think what we're talking about is a revolution, Something that changes inside of us. I'm talking about a revolution based on this is what I plan to accomplish. That's my goal. This is how I plan to accomplish it. That's the the plan. And this is who's holding me accountable. So you've got a goal, you've got a plan, and you've got accountability. When you do stuff like that, you can make your life extraordinary. You can seize the opportunities. You can make the most of the day. And I really think that's something that you need if you really want to see change. Now, the second reason that people struggle uh, achieving their goals is a thing called procrastination. Procrastination. And that's really what I want to deal with today. I want to talk a little bit about that. According to a recent survey, only 10% of Americans actually claim to struggle with procrastination. But my theory is 90% of them didn't get around to filling out the survey. (laughs) That's kind of what I'm thinking. All right? Did you know 
I didn't know this, but did you know that there is a procrastinator's club in America? And their motto is, and I'm not making this up, their motto is, we're behind you all the way. (laughs) I love that. They have an annual 4th of July uh, party every year on July 6th. Here's my favorite poem on this topic. If you've ever heard me talk about procrastination, I always recite this poem because it's just so good. Procrastination is my sin. It always brings me sorrow. I know I need to change my ways. In fact, I will. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. That's right. Procrastination. Now, the truth is, most people know the right thing to do. You know the right things to do. We just put them off. We delay. We don't do it. We say, you know what, tomorrow, later, someday, I'll get around to it. When I was a kid, uh, I remember I was about eight years old, and I would go out, my, my, my parents had just divorced, and so it was me and my dad, and we had gone out to eat. And there was an old gentleman that lived in the community that we lived in. Everybody knew him. You know one of those kind of people that everybody in the community knows this one person? He'd been the fire chief for years and years, and now he was an old kind of Santa Claus-looking guy. In fact, he played Santa Claus. He would ride on the, on the fire truck at Christmas, you know, and play Santa Claus and stuff like that. And so he would come out at night, and he would go, and he would stop at every table and say hello to people and all that. And eventually he worked his way around to our table, said hello to my dad. And then for for some reason, he looked down at me, and he just looked at me for a moment or two, and he says, I want to show you something. And he reached in his pocket. He pulled out like a round coin that was made of wood, and he says, you know what that is? And I says, no. He says, what? I said, what is it? He said, it's a to it. I said, it's a to it. He says, yeah. He says, a lot of people say that they need to get around to it. He says, I've got one. <laughs> you know, I've thought about that a long time. Because that's what a lot of people say. I need to get around to it. Well, you need to get one of those and just stick it in your pocket and then just do it. And do it now. That's the name of my message today. Now. We're going to talk about doing it. Doing the things that we need to do. Now, here's the thing. If we all just did the things that we need to do, the world would be a better place. Don't you agree? Yeah, we just need to do them. We need to stop procrastinating. So what I want to talk about this morning is overcoming procrastination. I'd actually planned to talk about this back in November, but (laughs) didn't didn't get around to it. Yeah, all right. Uh, So today I want to talk about three specific things. I want to talk about the cause of procrastination. What is it that causes it? I want to talk about the cost of of procrastination, and then we're going to talk about the cure, the cure for procrastination, all right? And uh, so let me give you five key things that I think cause procrastination. I'm sure there's more, but I think these are the five main ones to kind of focus. If you're taking notes, write these down. The number one one is indecision. Indecision will cause you to procrastinate. The Bible says in James 1.8, It says a double-minded man is what? He's unstable. He's unstable in all of his ways. Another translation says he's unstable in everything he does. Double-minded. He can't make his mind up. He can't focus in. See, when you have trouble making up your mind, you tend to procrastinate. And the truth is, we live in a culture that makes it hard to make up your mind. We have more choices than any other generation ever. I mean, uh, today, I mean, when I was a kid, we had three, three TV channels. 
three, <laughs> right? And if you, were, if you were lucky, I mean, if the, if the wind was just right and the clouds hung a certain way, you might be able to get a fourth UHF channel, which was PBS, and nobody, no kid wanted to watch that anyway, right? And so that was it. So that was all of our channels. Now you've got more channels than you know what to do with, and you can sit and click through and click through and click through, and it's hard to make up your mind. There's too many choices. Go into a Walmart and try and buy a toothbrush. There's 82 different kinds of toothbrushes. Who needs that kind of choice? And so what happens is we, we have all this choice then, and we experience what we call the paralysis of analysis, right? There's too many choices, and so you can't decide. And when you can't decide, you become unstable in all of your ways, and you can't make up your mind. So you just tend to put it off. I can't make up my mind, so I'm just going to put it off. Here's the second thing that causes procrastination, perfectionism. Perfectionism. Man, wanting everything to be just right. As soon as everything gets just right, man, that's when I'm going to do it. You know, just got a couple things got to fall in place. Got to do this, got to do that. As soon as everything kind of falls where I want it, I'm in. All right? That's what we say. Sometimes we set such a high standard we can't even get started. Ecclesiastes 11.4 says, If you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. Man, I believe that. You know, if you're waiting for perfect, the only perfect thing in this world is God's Word. That's it, all right? So if you're expecting perfect conditions, if you're expecting, you know, your spouse to be perfect, if you're expecting your children to be perfect, your employees, your employer, whatever, if you're looking for perfect conditions, you're going to be severely disappointed. And what you're going to do is you're going to tend to put things off. Well, not, things aren't quite right yet. You know, I want to do it, but, but I can't right now. And so you'll procrastinate. Here's the third one. I think this is the biggest one. Fear. Fear. The greatest cause of procrastination is fear. When we become afraid, we put things off. We delay. And it could be fear of failure. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to try. I'm, I'm just putting it off because I'm afraid I won't be able to do it. And, and, and I, I don't want to get out there. I don't want to put myself into this thing where I, I'm going to fail. I just don't want to do that. And so I'm afraid. You know what else? Success. What if I do it and I succeed and I can't maintain it? Or what if I succeed and then I can't do it again? And so you put it off. Fear will keep you from a lot of things. Fear will keep you from making the phone calls that you need to make, from, from making that counseling appointment, from sharing your faith with other people. It's fear that keeps you from volunteering your talents or going after your dream. Some of you, you've had this dream in your heart for years and years and years. And you finally just got to a point where you put it up on a shelf. Someday, man, one of these days that's going to happen, right? And you get a little bit older. You guys could have easily done that, right? We're going to go on the mission field. As soon as, you know, as soon as we get the kids all kind of grown up and a little bit like, you know, like, and then it's like, well, as soon as we, you know, as soon as they get into college, then we're going to go. Well, as, you know, as soon as they get married and settled into their own life, and then at some point you look back and you go, man, wouldn't that have been awesome if we could have went on the mission field? Because life keeps going while you're delayed, right? It just keeps happening. It keeps moving. And some of you, you have those dreams and it's, it's not happening. And so you find yourself procrastinating. You need to ask yourself, what am I afraid of? What am I really afraid of? What is the problem here? 
You've got to get beneath the procrastination and find the cause. Fourth thing, anger. Anger. And a good example of this is found in Isaiah 48.4. I like this verse. It says, For I know how stubborn and obstinate you are. Your heads are as hard as bronze. Know anybody like that? Don't elbow them. Just, just yeah, right? And, and ladies, that's a great verse for your husband. You might want to try that out on him sometime. You can just say, honey, you're an Isaiah 48.4 kind of guy. They won't have a clue what you're talking about, right? Truth is, procrastination can be a way of getting back at people. It's a way of passive resistance. Those of you who are parents, you know exactly Those of you who are parents, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Because your kids do it, right? You tell them to do something, and then they take their sweet time. You know what I'm talking about? You tell them, hey, look, I want you to clean your room. And they're actually say, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it when I'm good and ready. You know what that is? It's a form of rebellion. It's, it's all about control. See, some people challenge the people that are in control passively by procrastination. If you're married and your husband or your wife is constantly asking you to do something over and over and over again and you keep putting it off, you need to ask yourself this question. What am I angry about? What am I angry about? What's the problem here? Is this anger building in me to the point that I'm pushing things off passively by procrastinating? Am I I afraid to say no? Sometimes that's the case. You know, we, somebody asks us to do something, and instead of saying, no, I don't believe that's really the right thing for me to do right now, or, or you know, I've prayed about it, don't feel like that's where God's leading me, we're afraid to tell them no, and so we just kind of keep putting it off, and we keep putting it off, and we push things back. We procrastinate. Fear will cause you to procrastinate. Anger will cause you to procrastinate. All right, here's the fifth one. It's another huge case of uh, cause of procrastination, and that is laziness. Laziness. Proverbs 13.4. I love this verse. Lazy people want much, but get little. It's true. That's true. By the way, Proverbs, man, if you want a, a great reading plan, read through a chapter. There's 31 chapters of Proverbs. That's one for every day. I mean, one for, yeah, for every day of the month. I mean, just take the whole year and read through the Proverbs over and over and over again. Just to add that to what, whatever your other reading is, just add it in. You'll be surprised at what it'll do inside of you, the wisdom that it'll generate in your heart. Proverbs is great. Someone said recently, they said, you know what? He's talking about this idea of laziness. They said, America is becoming the land of couch potatoes. I think that's so true, right? We can just spend hours and hours doing nothing binging on Netflix or whatever, just hours doing nothing, all right? And, and our favorite word is easy, easy. We want things easy. That's why you'll never see a bestseller called 10 Incredibly Difficult Ways to Lose Weight. <laughs> You're not going to see that. 10 really tough ways to get yourself in shape. You're just not going to see that. No, man, it's give me the easy payment plan. Is there an easy button I can push? I want it easy, whatever it is. And see, the truth behind procrastination is this myth, all right? I love to expose myths, and here's one, that if I put something off, maybe it'll get easier. 
If I just delay it, if I put it off, it'll get easier. Actually, though, the truth is it only gets worse. It gets worse. So that's some of the causes. Again, that's just five, but some of the causes of procrastination, there's probably more, but those are the main five ones. Now, here's what I want you to do. Take a second, look back over those, and I want you to see if you see a connection, if you feel a connection to one or more or even all of them. But, but if you do, if you have a connection right there on your message notes, just put a star by whichever one it is. Go ahead and do that right now for me. All right, let's talk about the cost of procrastination, right? Because there's always a cost. There's always a price tag that goes with procrastination. And let me show these to you from the Bible. Here's the first one, number one. One of the first costs is it wastes opportunities. It wastes the great opportunities that you have in life. Ephesians 5.16 says, Make the most of every opportunity you have for doing good. Not some opportunities, not most opportunities, every opportunity. And it's learning to take advantage of every opportunity that comes your way. Guys, I wonder sometimes how many opportunities I've lost and you've lost because we've procrastinated. How many wonderful opportunities to make a difference in, in, in a relationship or a difference in my life or a difference in somebody else's life because I hesitated. See, when we procrastinate, and I said this a minute ago, life just passes us by. It keeps going. Man, the world keeps turning. Things keep happening. And we miss so many wonderful opportunities because of procrastination. Here's the second cost. It causes problems. Procrastination inevitably causes problems in our life. Proverbs 15, 19. So true. A lazy person has trouble all through life. All through life. You think your work ethic doesn't, man, doesn't impact your life? It does. It does. All through life. Have you ever procrastinated on something? Like, like, say, putting gas in your car, you're coming home, you're tired, you, I'll just get it in the morning, right? And then you get in your car and you completely forget, right? And then you take off and you run out of gas and you went, oh man, I was supposed to get, your procrastination got you in trouble, right? And that happens. Procrastination makes life worse. It makes things harder, I can think about people over the years who procrastinated about maybe going to the doctor and, you know, then they, they, they waited longer than they really should and it caused problems in their life. Pro procrastination causes trouble. Uh, delaying never solves anything. In fact, it always makes things worse. And the longer you wait, the harder things become. It never gets easier. It always gets harder. So do it now. Turn to somebody and say, now. Now. Do it now. Don't procrastinate. Truth is, procrastination can be a real danger in our lives. And you know why? Because when you procrastinate and you start to do it regularly, it can become a habitual habit in your life. And after a while, you get to where you're just procrastinating on everything. You're putting everything. You become the person who is putting things off. And it's always going to cause problems in your life. You're going to have a life of trouble. Third thing, it hurts others. 
Now, let's be honest. We know that procrastination hurts us, right? But did you know that it also hurts the people around you? See, procrastination at its core is basically unloving. Showing real love to people takes commitment. It takes energy. It takes time. It takes work. The reason why a lot of marriages fall apart is procrastination. Uh, You know, because both people put off making the effort that they need to make to make things work. In a lot of divorces that I've seen over the years, man, the people know, both parties, they know the work that needs to be done. They just keep putting it off. They don't have the conversations they need to have. They don't talk about the tough things that they know that they really need to talk about. They just keep putting it off. I know we need to have that conversation, but we just keep putting it off. They don't make the effort to be together when they know they need to be together, and so eventually they just grow apart, and, and it becomes easy. It just becomes easy to let go of the whole relationship and to divorce. Don't procrastinate in relationships. Now look, I know the stuff I'm talking about this morning can be painful stuff. It's painful to think of the opportunities that we've missed because of procrastination. It's it's painful to think about the problems that we've caused or the hurt that we've caused ourselves or other people. But it's not until we become honest about the pain and the cause of procrastination that we can finally look to find the cure. And so that's really what I want to talk about. See, we know the price tag. The cost of this stuff is enormous. But how do we get past it? Now, before I tell you the five things that we need to do that I think, you know, biblically the Bible talks about doing as far as getting past procrastination, before I go there, I want you to stop and just think for a second about something you've been procrastinating in. I want you just to get it in your head, all right? Because this message will mean nothing. It will not help you at all unless you pinpoint a specific area. And when you do that, these five steps I'm about to give you will help you overcome. Think of something you've been putting off in your life. And I'm not talking about cleaning the garage or you know, answering all your emails, that sort of thing. I'm talking about something God wants you to do. And if you can't think of something or if you're in denial, ask your spouse. They'll tell you. All right? Uh, I'm sure they'll be glad to. But if you're not married, here's some ideas. All right? Do you need to commit your life to Christ? Maybe you've been thinking about it. It's been something that, that you've kind of been coming, you've been kicking the tires with Christianity, you know, but you've not made that step. That might be the best next step that you could make in your life. Do you need to be baptized? Are you a part of a small group? And our small group season's getting ready to start. And you might want to take a step. Maybe we keep saying, you know, I, sooner or later, I need to get into one of those small groups. This is your time. Are you using your gifts and talents to make a difference and and to serve others in ministry? Is there a habit that's messing up your life that you need to break and you need to finally get free from? All right? Uh, Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a second. Somewhere on your notes, I want you to write down what it is that you know you need to stop putting off. Go ahead and write it down. What am I putting off that I know I need to do? Go ahead and do that right now. Take just a second to do it. If you're looking at me, you're not writing. All right, here we go. I'm going to give you five things. But listen to me. If you didn't write something down, you're already defeated. You're already defeated, all right? If you can't think of something you're putting off, there's no way you're going to be able to get started in whatever it is, all right? So here's the five things. Number one, stop making excuses. 
Stop making excuses for the things that you've been putting off. Proverbs 22 says this, the lazy man is full of excuses. That's true, isn't it? Ben Franklin said this, people who are good at making excuses are seldom good at anything else. Benny was pretty wise. Actually, in life, I think there's three kinds of people, and every one of us falls into one of these categories. You're either an accuser, an excuser, or a chooser, all right? Those are the three approaches to life. You either accuse, excuse, or choose. Some people are accusers. They spend all their life blaming other people. You know, if it weren't for so-and-so, then what they're doing is they're passing the buck. They're passing the blame. They're accusers. Other people are excusers. They blame their circumstances. You know what? If the economy were better, if I had better parents, if I, you know, looked different, if, if I had the opportunities that you had, you know, I mean, things were easy when you were going through this, but now if I, if I had that same kind of opportunity. And so what you do is you excuse yourself from the circumstances of life. See, the people who get things done, those are the choosers. Choosers accept responsibility. They don't blame other people. They don't blame uh, circumstances. They don't accuse. They don't excuse. They say, you know what? I'm going to choose to do something about my life. I'm going to choose to make a difference. I'm going to take 2019, and I'm going to choose to actually take a step into the preferred future of what God has for me in my life. And I'm going to move into it. I'm going to do it. This year is going to be the year that I'm taking that step, and I'm going to do it. All right? They stop making excuses. By the way, just for fun, I thought I would give you, these are some actual excuses, actual excuses that were given to insurance companies for car accidents. All right? Actual excuses. Here's the first one. Guy says, coming home, I turned into the wrong driveway and collided with a tree I don't have. That person should not be driving. <laughs> Number two, I thought my window was down, but found out it was up when I put my hand through it. <laughs> Ouch. I'm going to just leave this one where it goes, right? I glanced at my mother-in-law and drove off the cliff. Go ahead and put this next one up. I was driving to the doctor's office with rear-end trouble. I'm hoping he's talking about his car. I'm not sure. I was driving to the doctor's office with rear end trouble when my universal joint gave out and caused an accident. <laughs> and then finally this one. The pedestrian had no idea which way to go, so I ran over him. <laughs> Those are great, aren't they? But let me ask you, what excuses are you giving for not doing what you know you need to do? You already know what you need to do. So why don't you do it? How about this one? Well, when things settle down. Robert, when things settle down, man, that's when I'm going to, you know, I'm just waiting for things to settle down. Man, the, the, things never settle down. They don't settle down. This is life. You know, when things settle down, you're dead. Life is not about settling down. There's always going to be problems. I mean, there's always going to be problems of some kind. It's just the way things are. There's never going to be a time when everything is all settled down. You know what that means? That means that if you're going to really live your life, if you're going to live this life, this abundant, amazing life that Jesus said that he came 
to give you, you're going to have to do it in what is not always the best of circumstances because your life will never be perfect. So stop making excuses. So here's another thing I want you to write down on your notes today. All right? Write this down. My lame excuse is, and fill in the blank. What is it? It's your lame excuse that I'm just afraid. I'm indecisive. What is your excuse for not doing what God is calling you to do? Go ahead and identify it and write it down. Now, once you've stopped making excuses, number two, the second one, believe that God will help you. Believe that God will help you get out of the rut that you're in, that it'll help you so that you can get on with your life and do what God is calling you to do. Jesus said this, Mark 9, 23. He says, what do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. Everybody say believes. You have to believe that God can and will help you. Not just that he can, but that he will, that he wants to. You've heard this said before, but the person who says I can and the person who says I can't are both right. The person who says I can't usually won't, and the person that says I can usually will. Attitude is everything. Attitude is everything when it comes to procrastination. Your attitude, your moods will put you in a slump. Actually, I don't know if you know this, there are eight stages that you go through in procrastination, all dealing with your moods. And I'm just going to read them to you. I, I, don't think I don't think I have those on the screen. Do I, Pam? No. Okay. Yeah, I'm just going to read them to you. Uh, here's the eight stages of procrastination. Stage number one, I'll start early this time. That's hopefulness. That's the hopeful stage. Stage number two, I got to get started soon. That's the tension phase, right? You realize you should have started. You're getting a little nervous about it. Stage three, I should have started sooner. This is the pressure phase. You're feeling guilty for putting it off. Stage number four, there's still time to do this. That's the reassurance phase. Stage number five, what's wrong with me? That's the desperation phase, right? Any of you ever been in the desperation phase? Can I see your hands? The rest of you are fibbing, right? Because we've all been there. And number six, I can't wait any longer. This is the phase of intense pain, all right? It's just the phase, all right? And then number seven, you know, just get it done. You know, I just have to finish it. I've got to get this done. I've got to get it off my, off my books. I've got to get it off the desk. I've got to get it out of my hair. I've got to get this done. And then finally, the last phase, phase eight, uh, next time. I'm going to start sooner. And then the cycle just repeats itself. Guys, this isn't rocket science. And if you really want to beat procrastination, you have to master your moods. You can't be manipulated by your feelings. You can't always be looking at a situation and say, yeah, I know that's what I need to do, but I just don't feel like it today. I just don't feel like it today. I, just, I mean, I know that's what needs to happen. I just don't feel up to it today. See, most of what happens in this world is done by people who don't feel like doing it. You need to understand that. The fact is, is if we only do what we feel like doing, nothing would ever get done. You have to master your moods. So how do you do that? Well, you turn to God. 
There's a very familiar scripture. You all know this scripture. Philippians 4.13. For I can do everything. Another translation is, for I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You need God's power. You need God's strength in your life. The reason you can't overcome procrastination is you don't have the strength on your own. You can't do it under your own power. And if you could do it on your own, you'd have already done it. You haven't because you don't have God's power working. God says, man, I want you to do it. I want to give you the strength. You know, God, I'm turning over to you everything. My feelings, my emotions, everything. And I believe that you're going to help me do it. Here's the third one. Set a schedule or set a deadline and schedule it. Set a deadline for those things that you've been putting off. Because your best intentions aren't enough. See, if you do it when you have time, you never get it done. You never do. If you think someday I'll do it, someday turns into weeks. Set a deadline. Do something courageous. Write it on your calendar. Man, this is what I'm going to accomplish. This is the time that I'm going to accomplish it by. Put yourself on that deadline. And see, you'll know because that deadline will come up and you find yourself working towards that to make it happen and to be there on that time. But if you don't schedule it, you won't do it. See, whatever it is that you need to do, do it today. Start today. What is the project you need to start on? What is the elephant in the room? What is the thing that you've been putting off? All right? Set yourself a deadline. I'm going to accomplish it by this time. And, and then start working towards that. Start today. Man, if you're a book writer, just write. Write. Write a page at a time if you have to. But write. Proverbs 13, 16. I'll show you a couple of quick scriptures. Proverbs 13, 16. A wise man thinks ahead, but a fool doesn't. In other words, he's planning. Take a look at this next one. Proverbs 13, 11. Money that comes easily disappears quickly, but money gathered little by little will grow. Now, I, there, this, there's more, this is more than just a financial principle. This is a life principle. The way you make changes in your life, the way you grow is little by little, one step at a time. And if you want to break through procrastination, you think this, what is my next step? What's the next step that I can make? What's the next thing that I can do? And then you take it. That's the way it starts. See, this little by little principle can change your life. It gets you going. Stop waiting for that magical moment where everything is perfect and the stars are all aligned and it just feels right and do it. Sometimes you just got to get going. The hardest thing sometimes is just get going. Just to get going. A few years ago, I was down in uh, South Florida where my, my dad lives in Orlando. And uh, we happened to be there on the day that the space shuttle was going up into the air. And so when the shuttle went up, my dad lives close enough to Canaveral or, and so that we were able to go out in his front yard and watch the shuttle go up. It was an amazing experience. And I've had an opportunity a couple times to see shuttle launches. And I just think it's a, an incredible thing. But you know what they tell me? They tell me that the majority of the fuel that they have on a shuttle, the majority of it is used to just get you off of a launch pad. Because, guys, the hardest thing sometimes, if you're going to change your life, is just getting started. Sometimes you just have to say, I'm going for it. Boom. And take that step. You got to make that move. Take the step. All right. Here's number four. Get a spiritual partner. 
Get a spiritual partner. Get someone who can walk through this with you. Don't try to do it alone. Romans 1.12. I want us to help each other with the faith that we have. Your faith will help me, and my faith will help you. That's the principle of a spiritual partner. Think right now. Think about who do I have in my life that can walk through these steps with me? Because it's really hard to do it when you're all by yourself. That's one of the reasons why small groups are so important. And we're getting ready to launch. Guys, we're going to be launching the coolest set of small groups that we have ever launched at our church. Uh, we're, we're kind of taking our normal uh, path and we're suspending it because we're launching these things called freedom groups. And we're going to be telling you more about them, but I can just tell you these are going to be game changers for our church. They are absolutely going to change our church as we move into 2019. It's going to be one of the biggest things that we've ever done to helping us get free so that we can live the life that we're supposed to live. I'm excited about those. We're going to be talking more about those in the next two weeks. Get a spiritual partner. Be a part of a small group. Have some people that will hold you accountable. And then here's the last one, number five. Start now. Now. Start now. Not next week. Not next month. Not even tomorrow. Start now. You say, you know what? I'll do it someday. Someday is today. I'm aiming to do it. Stop aiming. Pull the trigger. All right? Sometimes, man, we're just, well, you know, I'm aiming to. You know, sometimes you have to pull the trigger. One of these days is none of these days. Proverbs 27.1, never boast about tomorrow because you don't know what will happen between now and then. Truth is, none of us are guaranteed of tomorrow. See, some of you, well, let me just say it this way. You have this dream that you really want to go after. The only way you're going to do it is to go after it. And you have to start right away. You have to start now. Or you could be at the end of your life wishing you'd done it. James 4.17 from the message paraphrase says, If you know the right thing to do and you don't do it, that for you is evil. Another translation says, If you know the right thing to do and you don't do it, for you that is sin. See, procrastination it's not just some quirky thing you do. Oh, I just put things off. It's just one of those little quirky things I do. No, it's sin. It's evil, the Bible says. All right? That's why procrastination is so serious. It keeps you from doing the things that you were created to do. It limits your potential. It wipes out your opportunities. It presumes upon your future because none of us are guaranteed a future. Whatever it is that you need to do, do it now. Do it right now. Now, for some of you, that might mean I need to get my relationship with God right. right? For some of you, that you, you, you just look at your life and you say, I know I'm not where I need to be in my relationship with Christ, and I need to get that right. All right? And you, some people just keep putting that off over and over and over again. The Bible says this, indeed, the right time is now. Now. Today is the day of salvation. Jesus said this, he said, procrastination, no procrastination. You can't put God's kingdom off until tomorrow. Seize the day. Carpe. Carpe diem. Seize the day. Make your life extraordinary. Second Peter says, friends, confirm God's invitation to you. 
Don't put it off. Do it now. But what is God's invitation? God's invitation is this. I want to forgive you of everything you've ever done in the past. I want to take care of the past once and for all. You don't have to worry about those things that you did wrong. I'm going to give you healing for things that other people did wrong to you. And we're going to put the past in the past. And we're going to move on from it. That's a pretty good deal right there. But he says, not only that, but wait, there's more. He says, I'm going to give you a future. I'm going to give you a future in a place called heaven where there's no pain and there's no tears, there's no sorrow, there's joy and fulfillment, and you're going to live with me forever. Hope for our past. Hope for our future. But wait, there's more. He said, I want to give you a purpose for getting out of bed every day. I want to give you a reason to live. And I want you to step into that life that I have for you and do it now. God is giving you an invitation. And to not decide to try to procrastinate and put it off is actually making a decision. See, you're not here by accident. God brought you here for a purpose. He wants to help you to do those things that he's been calling you to do. He's saying, you know what, I love you. I have this incredible, amazing plan for your life. I have this stuff that's, that's there for you. Let's begin to move towards that purpose that you were created for. And let's do it now. Bow your heads with me. Well, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Maybe this message was for you today. And maybe, maybe for the, the, the main reason is because you're looking at your life and you're saying, Robert, I know that I'm not secure in my relationship with Christ. I, I, truth is, is I, I don't know if I were to die right now, if I would go to heaven. I don't know what would happen. And it's bothering you. It's been bothering you. But you keep putting it off and keep putting it off. Or maybe you're looking at your life and you're saying, man, I know what it feels like to have my relationship right with Christ, and it's not. And you come in week after week and you say, I need to work on that, but you don't. You need to take that step today. Really take it. Every head's bowed. No one's looking around. It's just you and me. This is your moment right now. If you're here and you say, you know what, Robert? I need to accept Christ. I need to ask him to come and live in my heart. Or maybe you're here and you say, you know, there was a time that I was walking with God, but I'm not now, and I know that, and I need to get it right. If either one of those two things apply to you, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. I got you. Anybody else? I still believe there's somebody God speaking to you right now, and you're putting off even raising your hand. You're procrastinating about raising your hand right this moment. Here's your last chance. One more time. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? I want you to pray this prayer with me right where you are. You don't have to pray it out loud. Just pray it in your heart. God will hear you. Say, dear Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. That word Lord just simply means be a manager. Be the, be the one that's in charge. You're just saying to him, I've been in charge so long, now I want you to be in charge and I'll follow your plan. 
Lord, as best as I know how, I'm going to leave my way of doing things and I'm going to follow you. Forgive me of my sins. I put my trust in you today. In Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed for just a second. If you're here today and you say, Robert, I, I, I've got some things. I know there's some things that I've been putting off that I know I need to do, that God's called me to do. And I'm going to take a step. Would you pray for me? Could I just see your hands? This is the right message for a lot of people today, huh? Father, right now, for every person that's just raised their hands, I pray, Father, that you would really minister to them, that you would speak to their hearts. Father, that you would give them the, 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 that, that goal that they need to accomplish. You would give them how to accomplish it. You would help them to set a time. They're going to accomplish it by this time. And Father, I pray that you would cause them to tell that goal to some people around them that will hold them accountable and that will make a difference in their life. Lord, I bless them and I thank you that, that 2019 has the opportunity to be a year of accomplishment for them. Where they finally see some things come to pass that they've been waiting for for years and years. And Lord, I thank you that you're going to do that. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. If you raised your hand about getting your life right with Christ and all of that, we've got a booklet called Now What? We'd love to put one of these in your hands. If you'll just uh, go to the, the uh, welcome station as you go out the door, it's right to your right. And if you could just give them your blue card and just mark on there, I made that decision and I, I prayed with you today. And, the, and, and, and tell them you'd like one of these books. They want to put one of these in your hand. It's kind of just some great practical information for some next step things that you can do. All right? All right, one last thing. I want to pray a prayer of blessing as you go. So if you would, raise your hands with me. Father, I thank you for each and every person that's here. I pray that you bless them this week. Father, give them favor in all that they, they, with every person that they come in contact with. Father, help them to make the most of every opportunity to seize the day and the moment. Father, I pray that you give them wisdom in all that they do, that they would walk in wisdom according to your word. Let your anointing be on their life. Father, in whatever you're calling them to do, let them feel your presence and your anointing. And Father, I pray that in Jesus' name, you would give them divine opportunities that they could tell other people the story of what you've done in their life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... God bless you guys. Have a great, great week.